I'm a stat freak myself. Isn't that perverse? Hello, friends, let's say goodbye. Because in the future we all die. It's coming fast from outer space. It will destroy the human race. Apocalypse is televised. Atom bombs fall from the sky. Another grave catastrophe unfurled. We're watching the Welcome back to Watching the End of the World. I am one of your hosts, Brian. I am the other host, Cole. And? And uh, this week we have a a very special guest, uh, a man I found wandering the streets near my home. Uh, I asked if he liked movies and he kind of shrugged and grunted. So here he is. Uh, I have his name written down here somewhere. Uh, It is... Steven, and I'm going to mess this up. Is that Hesson? Is that French? No. This is not, this bit isn't as bad as I expected, actually. <laughs> I, I, I thought I that was we were going to. I expecting much, much wow. worse. I, I, I thought that we were going to have like a stalemate and you were just not going to say anything. I, I did too. He, and he and really... we were going to just be here for like five minutes. He like percolated um, there. No, I was I was waiting for it to get worse and it never did. No, that, no. that was just like normal dumb. That yeah. wasn't like, I'm going to attack you in your home. <laughs> I why why would I attack you in your home? No, 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 no. I am going to attack you in your home. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. Have you checked under your bed? (laughs) I've 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 noticed that it's really dark uh, where Steven's recording, and also that there's a pair of legs dangling over one side of uh, of of his background. (laughs) I. The the good thing about me is that I can never be attacked in my home because uh, it's the one perk of having a deeply neurotic beagle is that no right. one can ever sneak up on you. Now, I, is she actually capable of attacking anybody? Or no, will, she, will she just like yell at them until they no, get scared? I'll, I'll just, it'll just be very loud. Yeah, yeah. Although something is amiss. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, we have a guest. Uh, our first. Yeah. Steven, how do you feel about the fact that you're our first guest? Uh, I like winning things that don't matter, so that is great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What, what I, did you win? I I am I, in in the watching the end of the world wiki. I'm going to be <laughs> the the first guest, and I'm coming for the most frequent guest as well. But go. we're gonna build toward that. Well, rest assured. Um, you said you like winning things that don't matter, and I can guarantee you very little matters less than this. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to make us a wiki just just so we can be the most self-important podcast no, yeah, that make, literally make a wiki no one listens to. Steven's page is the only one on it. Um, <laughs> just, just make the whole thing really, really confusing. Um, I'm going to sh- write like a very detailed biography that is simply everything I remember about Steven. <laughs> I... No, there's no other page on the podcast. On the podcast yeah. It's starting to get weird. Yeah, that that, that would That's... be terrifying. Like, imagine if you didn't know that someone was going to do that, then you just found that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that would be pretty cool. Cool. Um, your page, your page will now just be a list of friends and enemies. Yeah, which extensive, um, hundreds on both long. Sides. Uh, on both sides. Yeah. No, I, I I cultivate relationships everywhere I go. I do it through my actions and my behaviors. Um, 
<laughs> we'll continue to do so. Um, we should talk about um, something else. We yeah, should talk, no. we, we, we should talk about uh, who uh, Stephen, uh, you know, claims is? to be. As and a, is. As a, yeah. Claims yeah. to be. Yeah. 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 You, um, you have so a podcast that people listen to. I don't know true. what that, what yes. is that like? Um, well, people didn't really listen to it at first, and then they did. Also, um, my co-hosts are much, much more popular and smarter than I am. Cool. That, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're, we're just all in total agreement about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's indisputable. Um, no, you're great. Um, Steven is the, uh, one of three hosts on a wonderful baseball podcast called Batten Around. Um, that uh, does uh, garner several listeners in the dozens at the very least every month, if not more. Um, you, People sure... even pay money to listen to <laughs> it. He's gesturing a little, little higher than that. Hundreds, one or two hundred people? Thousands. No, higher. Hi, a, a lot of people. You were very respected, very loved by so many. By, by, by so many. At uh, least a small enjoyers. town in Ohio's worth of people. Yeah, yeah. And if you command the respect of a small town in Ohio, then you know next step presidency. You're, you're fast tracking. Uh, that is how they do it. Yeah. I actually do think that that's how they do it now. I checked. Um, but uh, you are joining. Well, okay. You and Brian know each other. So you should probably talk about yeah, that a little bit. I, uh, I have the the dubious fortune of being very close friends with Brian. Um, I think that's he, the single nicest thing you've ever said about me in the last seven years. He... Um, was is not solely responsible but is largely a factor in me getting increasingly film pilled the past several years right uh and when he started a movie podcast i stupidly was like yeah sure i'll come on whatever yeah Um, and then we made you watch this i was i was surprised i I thought that I would come on for, you know, a movie I'd seen before. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but y'all were like, that. nope, here, watch this. This is homework. And I'm like, yeah. all right, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, the, no. the, the reasoning, uh, Brian, I believe this was, this was your uh, proposition initially was because it is a sports movie. Um, and, and it is a sports movie for a made up sport, but the made up sport is so convincingly presented uh, that, that it has the feel, uh, the appearance of something that could exist. This has better sports action in it than a lot of sports movies I've seen of real sports. Yeah, it's I, I did really like the sports action in it. There's some other stuff that I don't quite like as much, but um, that Everything stuff is really else. dope. <laughs> yeah, most of the stuff. Okay, we should uh, the movie that the we're movie talking is, about. Uh, yeah, Rollerball. Uh, the 1975 version of Rollerball. Yes. Um, uh, not very, one- very important distinction. Yeah, huge distinction. I, I will say just off the top here, I did watch the 2002 version. Um, it very be quickly. It very quickly became something I was watching in the background. Um, I, I tried paying attention to it. Uh, it, it evaporated like air in front of me as, as I was watching it. Um, directed by John McTiernan, who I generally really like. Uh, you know, anyone who directs Predator is probably some kind of genius. Um, but, uh, it's not good. Um, it's, it's not a good movie. I wish it was, I, I think it could have been, but, um, it, it, it is just a, a total flattening of like every single interesting thing the original movie tried to do. Uh, and the action isn't as good. Uh, and it, it could have been better and it's not. Um, so we're not talking about that one. Except I the next. am 
deeply grateful that you did not make me watch that. Yeah, we probably will eventually, just for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we're talking about the the good one. Today. Yeah, no. Uh, the- and I believe we're back. Uh, our lovely uh, Zencaster just uh died yeah briefly and now we're back in existence one of my roommates is probably torrenting football again um this has happened before what torrenting football yeah who ha- torrents football ha- i don't know I, what what I I, I I i remember i i asked one of them once like the internet's slow are you downloading anything and he said like yeah, I'm like torrenting a, a like some like a football game or something. That, that that's what he said to me. I I didn't question it at all. Do people not do that? No, I, I do not torrent old football games to watch. And oh. I I am presently about as much of a football sicko as any human being should be. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I didn't question it. I figure you know, go go with God. Uh, do whatever you want. Cole, he, he, he lives in the basement. He's nocturnal. I never see him anyway. Um, I figure whatever goes on down there is is between him and whatever deity he prays to. So I'm not going to step in the way. So yeah, he might be torrenting football. Speaking of popular blood sport, yeah, yeah, go on. Rollerball. No, oh, I, oh. I, I think I know what you're getting at. No, yeah, that was um, a beautiful transition, Stephen. Thank you. The you're film a true professional. Yeah, that that, that 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 reminds me of um that reminds me of like when I do that, but way worse. Um, yeah, Rollerball, uh, the movie with James Caan in it, uh, from nineteen seventy five. Um, again, I don't know how much the previous part is going to be cut out, but oh uh, no, um, we'll leave it. I'll just add a commercial break. Not not the two thousand and two version uh, from one of good. our many sponsors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the Rollerball League of America. Yeah. Um, this movie actually did make a want uh, make a lot of people want to start rollerball leagues because the the sport was so convincing and the movie was popular enough that people were like, "Hey, it looks pretty fun." It um, does it. Get a shot. <laughs> um, it it looks fun to watch. It looks without the overtly violent parts it does look fun without the parts where they're literally like just actually just beating the shit out it's of it's really other. just kind of roller derby it's it's roller with derby a big metal ball and, and a little bit of metal hockey ball. and, and motorcycles and motorcycles so it's actually like very little like roller derby they're on roller skates they're on roller they're... skates and the the point is to skate around in a circle against another team right uh, also i will say the only reason they're on roller skates is because rollerblades had literally not yet been invented Wait, really? <laughs> when were rollerblades invented uh after 1975 like norman jewison talked about it a lot where he just like every time uh on his commentary every time there's a rollerball scene he's just like i really wish we had had rollerblades it would have <laughs> gotten so much faster no idea yeah no i was like i didn't he was like he he was like really proud because they had like cutting edge roller skates and i'm like they're wheels on shoes was was the uh was the 2002 one shot with roller blades i don't remember i watched i believe it is yeah i don't remember okay it has to be it's extreme probably probably. it's extreme oh okay in 1980 they were invented as a off-season hockey training uh okay cool so damn that tracks norman missed the ball by five the roller ball you might say by five years um <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> the 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 sport 
is extremely God violent. And I, and I can't imagine that most of the people who wanted it to be a real thing were people who would also be playing it. Though, I mean, the nor I, in one in an interview, Jewison said that uh, the someone in Texas wanted to start a rollerball league. So I can only imagine if anything, they wanted more violence. Well. <laughs> They're like, what if, what if rollerball, but with a gun? Also, though, for whatever it's worth, apparently during the production of the movie, the stunt doubles and extras would actually play rollerball, um, yeah, while the cameras weren't rolling because they thought it was so fun. Um, so maybe there is some merit to the sport if you take all the parts out where they are actually just like beating each other up with hockey clubs and shit. So talking about my experience with the movie, that that kind of that kind of is that is my experience with the movie is. I'm like a huge sports fan in the sense of like, I love the, the trappings and the, the fan experiences and like the player experiences. I think all those social aspects of sports are very interesting. So I spent the entire movie and Brian can attest to this. I spent the entire movie just like trying to imagine the, the aspects of the sport as presented that weren't on screen Mm -hmm. like i'm like oh like so here are these teams what are the other teams like Mm -hmm. what are what is fan culture like like oh this is a really this seems to me like a really uh realistic depiction of what like a a locker room is environment is like and like star players and Mm -hmm. I, i did quite enjoy um I did very much enjoy the the there was a they they provided a butt buffet at one point it was yeah, very it was, it was very, very nice. good very Thank sweaty you, naked men yeah. uh, you always my fave yeah absolutely um, I did not like uh, I I'm I'm fully just looking at the notes that I took while watching the movie now I am doing you the exact same notes? thing yeah Brian we both I literally took talked notes. about I mean, the notes I was taking I don't I don't pay attention um. My biggest concern with this film is that the protagonist plays for the world champion Houston team. Mm-hmm. And that was triggering for me. Okay. I want to hear more about that. Uh, Cole is not a baseball head. So uh, he doesn't okay. know. Uh, well, there was this thing called the world series. Cole. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now let's, let's, let's tone that down a little bit. <laughs> I know of baseball. I, I love baseball. I've been to games before. I just don't follow it very closely. Well, Cole, um, I have bad news about the last World Series, Cole. <laughs> Go on. I don't know uh, that Cole cares. The, Do- the Dodgers didn't win it. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, no. Uh, unfortunately, the Houston Astros beat the Philadelphia Phillies. Right. Okay. Uh, yes. And I do remember this now. Crushed Steven's soul in the in the process. Right. It wasn't right. that bad. Uh, I, I, don't I still you. have a blood blood grudge against the city of Houston and all of its sports teams until the end of time, though. Okay. I mean, so, I think everyone should have a blood grudge against the city of Houston. Yeah. True. Just in general. Uh, but I, especially I, now. Fuck! I didn't take notes. I didn't take notes on the all the other teams. It so was. That, uh, I know there was the Tokyo, Tokyo, and New York. Tokyo. I think are the two New big York. ones. But they started I, out with one against Spain. Spain, yes. yeah. Yes. What was it? I think Spain, it's Madrid. I'm sure it wasn't Madrid. I think it was Madrid. Okay. I think it might have so, been Madrid. That would make the most sense. So it's a global sport. Yes. And like the league, quote unquote, in if the league is so big that it includes American, Asian, and European teams, mm-hmm. 
what other teams are there in that league? I spent so much time thinking about this. I, I it, it seemed for a bit like it was going to be each country was represented by one city was represented by one team, but well, America there has there two are, countries. There are countries. Oh, sorry, anymore. America has two cities. What? There aren't countries anymore. Right, because all of the... It's every every corporation has a team. Yeah. yeah. And Houston is the energy corporation. And oh. Yeah. Right. I think Japan is like manufacturing or something. Yeah. So okay. there just aren't nearly as many like places. Because it's not places anymore. It's companies. And we actually don't know how big of a portion of the world. So like controls. San Francisco would be the Silicon valley team uh, yes and exactly. new york would be the wall street team mm-hmm. and la I was would, be say the new york would be the hollywood team tish school of the arts team i'm just Probably. trying to think of other like company towns the seattle Sanford's would be the amazon team <laughs> <laughs> wait no where's amazon is that seattle Probably. yeah yeah, yeah that's in so. washington oh, oregon. Oregon. hollywood team that's oregon cool. is the shoes team I think in rollerball world, there's only six corporations, but I, I feel like that doesn't really track that there's... Are there really? Uh, yeah. I forgot. And I'm like, I feel like there's got to be more than six teams in this league. Yeah. We, we see four of them, and that two of them are from really America. That would be a boring season of only, like, that's like six teams, that's like the XFL. Like, I mean, no one, no one wants that. I mean, I, I guess the corollary to this is that it's so violent that maybe there can't be more than four teams in a season because uh, you people can are throw like more people on roller skates, limping home every time. I don't know, Stephen. My most important question for you is: What do you think? What do you think rollerball Twitter would be like? Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> like I was just like a dude. A dude gets like his neck snapped by like a guy's knee in like midair and all of a sudden all of the tweets in your timeline are either lfg exclamation points (laughs) or 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 all caps fuck (laughs) my dude died he was on my fantasy team (laughs) rollerball fantasy what do you think like what would cause discourse I mean, like when you have the, a sport where people die, like I was inevitably, the internet will find discourse. The discourse would be like if <laughs> I think if, just the nature of the sport itself would probably be the discourse. If some dudes skated into one of the opposing motorcycles and like made it wobble and fall over, that you'd got pe- you'd have people on fucking sports talk radio being like. He doesn't have he doesn't have it in him to he doesn't have that killer instinct. He didn't flip the motorcycle. He 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 didn't that dude got up and walked away. Like you can't if you're throwing your body at that motorcyclist, you, you, you can't have him getting back up. You really need to give it 110%. <laughs> dude, I want to do like a I want to do like a comment. I want to record a commentary on this movie. That's just you doing this like the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> like I could listen to this for hours. Sorry, I was like I was like channeling a little bit of Alex Jones there when I should have really sure. just I should have just put my thickened my Philly accent. That would have Honestly, been though, more like, accurate to sports talk radio. No, I could I could imagine Alex Jones being a sports commentator for Rollerball. That actually tracks almost that, too that well. actually you've broken my brain because I'm gonna think about what if Alex Jones was a sportscaster for like the next fucking week. That would have been <laughs> way cooler. That would have been so much I, better. I think he'd be good at it. <laughs> 
No, he he would be great at it. it I it, hate that I do. It sucks that he's like the most racist guy of all time because like we could have had an alternate timeline where he is just like some really insane funny podcaster who just like talks about zen gardening or something. In fairness, in fairness, Cole, he is like an insane funny podcaster. Those are all like what? accurate descriptions of him. For sure. I just need to remove like one or two tiny things <laughs> from the equation. Just, like <laughs> Yeah, no, if it's like find and replace. Yeah, change the formula slightly and you have like a perfect guy. White nationalism with sports. Right. Yeah, we're so close. Like it's right there. Um, but unfortunately, that's just not the NHL, universe. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, h- how much would we have to change if we got Alex Jones to commentate the NHL? Not that much. Not that much. Yeah. No. No. I mean, you could have I, uh, you put Alex Ovechkin in that booth with him, and it'd probably be fine. <laughs> um, I liked. <laughs> uh, moving on. I so I loved the detail that there is a corporate anthem that they do before every game. Yes, I like. Yes. I like that it's commenting on like you know the the weird dumb jingoism we have on like our sports mm-hmm. world drawing a very uh, direct parallel like, to the national I, anthem and being like this is like basically the same thing i did not like how much of it we got like no, we heard it in full thing. we heard it like in full twice and then like parts of it a few other times and i'm like we get it it's <laughs> like i i'm tired of this and yeah. that's like at the very beginning of the movie. Like they the open The beginning it the... works, but then they do it again and it's just like we already got that. <laughs> we already know. And the anthem corporate anthems uh much like our own does not slap. Well, Doesn't slap. If if we want to take it from the beginning of the movie, we want to start talking about the movie. That's not the only song that plays. That's not the first song that plays in oh, the beginning of the movie. Oh god. The the first I song have that plays this. is to cut on Fugue in D minor while they're setting up the arena, which to me is crazy. Like, th- th- this is one of the... I, sorry, no, go, go on, go on. <laughs> what an insane choice. It's bizarre. It, Throughout it, this the is, whole movie, it's, it's soundtracked with, yeah. like, bombastic classical music. So, on one hand, it's trying this. to do Clockwork Orange, right? Like, on one hand, it's straight up, like, trying to just do what Clockwork Orange was doing, I think. Um, yeah. I don't think it, that's necessarily a bad thing. Clockwork Orange is an amazing movie, but I, I think that... It is very much working within that same mold. Specifically, though, this song is like one of the oldest cinematic signifiers mm-hmm. of, of like villainy and horror. And he's like updating it like, you know, uh, almost 50 years later um, to reflect uh, th- this more modernized vision of, of what villainy looks like of a dystopia. I thought it was cool. Um, I, I don't know if the other classical music uh, needle drops, if you want to call it that. Can you can you say oh, yeah. that classical music is needle dropped? I don't really know, but hundred um, percent. But I don't know if the other ones track as much. But I actually thought this was a really cool choice, and it also I believe bookends the movie. I think we get it at the beginning, yes, and then it yeah. also closes it out. I get um, like Jewison said at some point, like he did that for a reason that I very much appreciate, which is that he felt like this is a movie in the dystopian future of an undetermined date which i also appreciate him i don't believe they put down a date i liked that too smart uh but he's like futuristic music in movies usually sucks and sounds dated yes very soon and like this is timeless music and so that was kind of my loophole around it yeah i like that and it works i mean in in this case 70s futuristic music sounds hella dated 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I like will, it, but it does I, sound dated. <laughs> I will say something that I thought during the movie and something that I am thinking now. I, I agree with that logic, and I don't think that the music detracted too much from the movie. I just, it was a little weird. Um, I would, I think this movie would have improved, like, by orders of magnitude. If we had just gotten like an a late seventies, early eighties John Carpenter score, yeah, I mean yeah. hell yeah, I mean it most movies like, would be improved by that. <laughs> most, but but Not like the vibe here matches that so well. Yeah, yeah, it's. Great. I would actually like to see John Carpenter's Rollerball. I think that would be a dope movie. Oh, it would probably be a masterpiece. Like he he would he would do the action scenes insanely well, and then everything else in between would also be just as good. Well, Whereas the, the I think. Whole... The whole vibe of uh, of the sorry for cutting you off. No, 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 um, you're not coming up. The me. whole vibe of of this movie is exactly John Carpenter's vibe, which is like the world fucking sucks. Like this shit is terrible. Like look how look how awful everything is, and yeah. it is all like the establishment's fault. Right, but but it needed a bit more of the like satirical edge of a Carpenter, I think, because th- this movie, I think that. It again, the action sequences, it really shines. Um, and I think that a lot of the stuff in between, I get what it's doing. I think I think the movie is generally very well directed because I think that Norman Jewison is an amazing director. Mm-hmm. Like, we should probably talk about him for a bit. Like, you know, well, first of all, I should say, um, just coming from a personal place, he directed my favorite rom-com of all time. He directed Moonstruck, which means more to me than like 99% of movies. One of my favorite movies. It's, and I, it's I think I think this movie is a lot like Moonstruck. <laughs> I I Go am on. not I'm, I'm not gonna let you <laughs> no, 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 fire, no, follow fire follow that thread of thought. Uh, I'm not gonna I, let you fire that off as a joke. You need to explain yourself. I I, I, I say that having never seen Moonstruck. You have oh, a buddy, getting a lot fuck? of Moonstruck vibes. Okay, Stephen, it's it's now your duty <laughs> to show a Moonstruck as soon as possible. I can't fucking believe that man. That movie that movie's perfect. It's one of the best movies ever made. I just like, assumed share like roller. It's a movie. Thought. It could not be a more Italian movie. Oh, and yet I still love it. I was yeah. going to say that sounds <laughs> disgusting. Um, it, it For me, it's like I put it up there with like Lubitsch and Sturges and wow. like Hawks in terms of like, I, I love it. Like I, be- it, I believe you left out Billy Wilder, but that's fine. I, I, sure. Let's say that. No, I, I love Billy Wilder. But um, I, I, I think that it's just, you know, one of the greatest romances ever put to screen. I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he also did like in the heat of the night. Um, he did Cincinnati kid, which I adore. Um, Thomas crown affair. Um, I think, did he do, um, Fiddler on the roof, right? He did Fiddler on the roof. And did he do that? Uh, the, um, uh, hurricane, the one with Denzel. Yes, he did. Yes, that's he a also great did film. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Right, I forgot that he his he actually went on a three film run that is Fiddler on the Roof, Jesus Christ Superstar, and then Rollerball, and then Rollerball. Really eclectic film. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, when you really boil them down, <laughs> honestly, if you put Jesus Christ Superstar and Rollerball together, you would have an incredible movie. God, could could Andrew Lloyd Webber have written Rollerball? He my, did. My, my dissertation. He did. <laughs> no, no, there's like he did. I'm pretty sure he did this. There's a dumb uh, train musical that I saw as a child in London. And it's like you have these people playing trains and there's like a 
fucking roller rink, like a roller track set up all around yeah, the, God. the audience. And like, yeah, I know what you're talking just about. Like zooming around on rollerblades. Oh, God, I, I hate that. I can't even joke about Andrew Lloyd Webber without him being like, <laughs> without him being like, Oh, that thing that you're making fun of me for not having done. I actually did do it. Um, and, and it's, and it's even stupider than the thing that you said. Um, I, I have not seen an Andrew Lloyd like, Webber production that I enjoy. watched Thomas the Tank Engine and was like, this should be a musical. Oh my god. Uh, boy, if, it, I, I don't, don't let me talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber for long enough. <laughs> uh, I, so Rollerball. I am not a fan. <laughs> Rollerball. Um, so the movie opens with Takada and Fugue in D minor as people are setting up this arena. Um, the arena, it, it, was, it was filmed at one specific arena, I believe in Munich, because it's the only arena that had that exact, like perfectly symmetrical oval shape yeah it was the olympic arena there and yes. also like the olympics were over so they were just like you can do whatever you want yeah yeah and that, that was high, that was a russian accent don't worry yeah about you have that, that oh well we're, we're gonna move past that um <laughs> and, and then they um they sing the corporate anthem um one of like three times they sing it as steven said my um, my next note uh oh. my first note after lol corporate anthem yeah is they're all in bullets they're all very short my next one is they need a department for player safety no that's the whole point <laughs> the whole the, the whole point of the game is it's the most unsafe thing of all time yeah yes so fuck there's you. no player safety um which and, and and i and i still think that the um i mean again i feel like i'm jumping ahead a little bit but i i do feel like the uh the like reasoning the like ideological reasoning behind why the game exists is like pretty flimsy mm -hmm. um i i think that the movie is like built on this concept that again i think if you had a you know a, like a sharper wit about it i think if say you know again carpenter was doing this um it would make more sense within you know the context of this world that's been set up but the movie is so serious it's like deadly serious for most of it and let's let's lay out the world real quick Right, yeah. For the, the poor intrepid listener, which is that it's an, as I think we said, an indeterminate uh, future era. Wikipedia Nations. does say 2018, but I don't think 2018 has ever said the movie. That might be no, based on, do, like, do not. the original uh, short story. But, like, uh, which I did read, and it's basically the movie. Uh, there are no nations. Nations have, has, have collapsed, and capitalism basically won. Uh, and uh, the world is run by corporations and essentially a board of directors. Yeah. Uh, and for whatever reason, there is not not really any crime or war. Yeah, um, it's like a weird like the politics of this movie are kind of they're bizarre. <laughs> they're really weird. I want to say half baked because I'm like I feel like you yes. didn't think these through very hard. I think I like the way that it felt to me was a conservative's nightmare of what full communism would be. But find and replace, swap out like the party with the corporations because yeah. it's functioning like an incorrect view of what a communist dictatorship would be like. Yes. And like it, that's very weird because it's corporations. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it it feels like it's very much of two minds about that. Like they the they control every aspect of everybody's lives yeah, yeah. you can only do things that you're supposed that you're like assigned to do essentially yeah like they fully control the information flow yep. i thought the scene in the library was very fun i loved it um, yeah it was so great. good 
it's just it's very it's a dystopia that is very it's a biting critique on our society by heightening it um but i liked that it you know hey there's no war like it it offered non-horrific things as well Mm -hmm. it's just they kind of made you think more about like why is there no war oh it's because like everybody is just like blanketly oppressed and you get the blood sport out in this like wildly popular game that everybody loves yeah yeah um which i I thought that would be the main thing of it i thought that the crux of the story would be and i think this is kind of alluded to but i thought the main thing would be rollerball exists as a violent outlet for people what it actually what they actually land on is a little weirder it's rollerball exists to uh demonstrate the uh, futility of individuality um because in rollerball, if you try to, if, if, if you think that there's any I in team, then you will be literally killed. Um, Which is why the politics of this movie fascinate me, because it's, it's simultaneously saying capitalism is bad, which like, yeah, bro. But also communism is bad? I don't yeah, know. I mean, but it's, also it's, it's like capitalism is bad, but also celebrating the individual and individualism. I mean, it's, it's saying that capitalism <laughs> and communism are both bad is not is not I think uh, uh, I think uh, of, an, an uncommon ideology. I think yeah, it's just weird. It's just it's just weird because the movie is like so extreme in what it's doing, and it feels like so nebulous as to the conclusions I it's think actually a, coming to. A very important thing to remember is that this movie was made in 1975. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, and it was, I mean, one of the things to play off that is, it was cool is that Norman Jewison, and I remember, I think he, I forget when he did his commentary, which was like, I think in the early 2000, uh, 1997, actually, he was like talking about, I just remember hearing him talking about like, oh, you know, I kind of feel like justified a bit because corporations do seem to be getting bigger all the time. And I'm sitting there listening, like, this is 1997, like Amazon isn't even, like Amazon yeah. is only selling books. Yeah, yeah. But 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 the conclusion that he came to, well, I guess not him. The the um, the I forget the name of the writer of, of uh, William Harrison. William he Harris. also wrote he also wrote the script for this movie. He worked with uh, mm-hmm. Jewison, and they they wrote it together. The the conclusion that it comes to is is both like corporations control everything, but also that means that there is no longer you know any any warfare. They're all in cooperation with one another. So so it's so it's odd. Um, I I. I I think it's a little incoherent. Um, the the reason that my my issues with this movie don't really stem from its politics. I think the politics are are interesting. I think it's mostly just like how seriously it takes itself um, and how kind of, <laughs> I like how kind of airless it is at times. It's just it's 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 no, a so, bizarre I mean, like- movie and with just with regards to its tone. It's like I. I, it, it feels like it should be so much. It feel. I mean, you know what came out? I think literally the same year. That's. It strikes me as a decent comparison. Is Death Race two thousand, which oh, yeah. is just kind of very broadly another like apocalyptic sports film. But I I think wisely uh, is a little bit more self aware. <laughs> it's way. It, it's way more camp. Yeah, like, exactly. That which, thing leans fully into being camp, which I love, um, and I would love to talk about that one eventually. Because yeah. <laughs> great movie. We do that one next. I don't know. We don't have a plan for next week. We really don't. Uh, we, we never have a fucking plan. But um, uh, but no, like this one is like basically for like I guess as a quick summary, it's it's essentially just like a hero's journey of you know James Conn's Jonathan E, who is like the biggest superstar in rollerball, 
gradually realizing that he has always been a pawn of this kind of corporate I, I don't want to say overlord because I guess all the corporations are overlords. Well, one like, of many corporate overlords. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a pawn of the system, and and realizing that he's not really had any choice in his like any agency in his life. Yes. Yes. Uh, and you know, ends on him defying that system and finally achieving you know the agency of the individual to the cheers of a crowd. Right. Even though it's it's not really entirely clear what happens after that. But also I feel like we're getting really, because really, we haven't really started talking about like the first major set piece of this movie even yet, which is the first rollerball sequence. Yeah. They demonstrate the sport and how it's played and they give us like a tame version where I think only one person dies. <laughs> I don't know um, if anyone Di- well, okay. Anyway, does there there there's this thing that they do to show that a player is um is like incapacitated and out of the game where like there's a big board and there are lights next next to um everybody's Their player number, number. Yeah. and if all the lights go out then that player is like presumed like too injured to play or dead and I think that might happen to a couple of players first game but I don't think anyone dies people really do start dying in the second game though and then the third game like everyone dies well they um, keep changing the rules to make it like yeah. it, it, uh, which I guess is his commentary on like. They're constantly changing the rules to make the game more violent as as both a way to increase, I guess, viewer response and also punish slash eliminate James Kahn's character. Jonathan, Jonathan E. Jonathan the protagonist E. Of the story. So um, <clears throat> just with regards to this first segment, then we can move on. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, we, we talked about it a little bit already, but um, I think this is beautifully directed. Um, some of the coordination here is insane. Like I, you listen to the commentary. I'm sure Jewison provides some insight as to how some of these shots were achieved, but oh my God, like there are some incredible tracking shots here that just like follow these players. It's such insane speeds and are able to, you know, get such incredible glimpses at like really surprisingly violent action. Um, There's like a lot of really great synchronized roller skating. Um, The whole sequence just does a really incredible job of making the sport seem real and tactile. Uh, we get a feeling for how it works out of the gate. We kind of understand the rules implicitly without them needing to like explain every single point to us. Um, I love it. Um, oh. And I, maybe I shouldn't love it because I know that uh, Jewison is like, he he made this movie partially to demonstrate the inherent violence of contact sports or something, which is. Yeah. Well, he fucked up. So. <laughs> I watched this and I'm like, this is, you know, again, aside from the parts where they kill one another. Um, it's kind of like how cool. like you, it's hard. It's really hard to make an anti-war movie because war just looks so cool yep yep that's no that's the uh that's the coppola quote yeah is um, it yeah he said that uh he doesn't consider apocalypse now an anti-war film because he thinks it is incredibly difficult to make a film that is materially actually anti-war shit um, look at me i'm you're uh, basically go, go francis on. ford coppola um no I was, I, I was thinking you were saying you were war incarnate and i was like yeah i'd buy that <clears throat> Uh, no, I, I'm saying I have absolutely zero formal film training at all. I have never taken a film class in my life. Uh, that was a beautiful description that you just went on about all the different ways the camera was was moving in and the way that it, it was capturing the the sport. My note, my next note, these cameras, th- these these shots are cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which like, is. A way cooler version of what I said. <laughs> no, that, like, that, that sounds way better. There, are, cool. there are three rollerball segments in this movie. Each one of them is absolutely electric. Like yeah. as as I can't imagine how they felt in 1975. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. this movie fucking blew people's brains. 
It's like, amazing. It, they still look incredible now. Yeah. I, I can't think of another movie about like a made up sport that feels this like tactile and, and, and no. real. But this um, feels more brutal than like any football movie I've seen. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, both because of, I think, the nature of the sport, well, yeah, but also but like, because the way it's directed, it really emphasizes just You like, also, like, every, all, all the rollerball teams outside of, like, a couple actors are stuntmen. And they yes, are, yeah. like, they, they gathered teams of some of the best stuntmen in the world. Yeah. And again, I will say, as a reminder for how fucking alpha these guys were, they just played this game in their free time. Yeah, like they were like, oh That's yeah, this so game cool. where we're all on roller skates and another guy's on an actual motorcycle and we're all trying to run each other over. Yeah, we just play this for fun. And this will be shocking to anyone who watches this movie, but apparently, the only serious injury out of this movie is that one guy broke his leg. That's God, it. Man. That's it. That's shocking. Which feels impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I. Uh, it, it looks like someone's breaking their leg in every single shot. Like, yeah, like every every rollerball game feels like the blooper reel at the end of a Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> it's uh, so intense. It's well, immaculate it's so description. Yeah, like every like you see some guy getting his head run over by a motorcycle, and you're just like, yep. that seems bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will say, anytime in the rollerball sequence, one of the things he did reveal about how they shot that is that anytime you see a shot of a rollerballer like like straight on, like straight uh, on them. They shot that by putting a camera on a little cart and attaching it to the back of one of the motorcycles that they used for rollerball. Now, how much of his own stunt work did Khan do? Because I feel like there are shots where it's unmistakably him, but Uh, I I think he said a lot. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Like Khan was like a, so Khan around this time was really into professional rodeo. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah, I love everything about him. Like uh, everything like, I learn about him, I just love. Like I think he won a, a rodeo competition in the eighties, uh, which I have to note that uh, Norman Jewison, who has a deeply chaotic way of pronouncing many words, uh, yeah. s- pronounce rodeo every time, oh and I'm god. like, sir, please stop. Oh my god, is, uh, is, is this just how Canadians talk? I I don't think so because he said the word comedic as comedic and I was like oh is that that one I was like, has has no one simply corrected you in your life? Dude, like, everyone's what? too scared. Like, no, it's it's the kind of thing where you pronounce a word wrong your whole life, and everyone's like, dude, if we told him now, he'd be devastated. Like, we're, we like we can't tell him he's been mispronouncing this like second grade word for the past fifty years. Norman Jewison, by the way, is still around. He's like ninety now. I yeah, think? he's 91? no, he's like ninety six. I think he's oh my so God, really? old. What a fucking he's impossibly king. old. I love him. I love him. Uh, um, let's see. But yeah, um, yeah, ninety six. God. So, but yeah, let's talk about Khan a little bit. So, so Khan is the protagonist of this movie. He plays the MVP of um of the Houston rollerball team. His name is Jonathan E. I don't think we ever know what the E stands for, which I really like. Uh, they just call him Jonathan E. It's like a cool semi futuristic thing, I guess. People just start referring to that as that uh, in the future. Um, and uh, he is. I I really love him in this role. Um, again, I feel like uh the movie could have been a little bit less serious a little bit less um a little bit more self-aware but uh, for what it's doing i think that khan is great um khan is one of our last great blue collar actors and uh, we just don't really get people like him anymore um people who really did just work their way up from relatively very little um and who are genuine like 
who have a genuine blue collar background. And uh, he is so great in roles like this because you, I, I think that it's very much playing to its strengths of just being, you know, very disillusioned with, um, you know, upper class life um, and with these systems that are bearing down on him. And it's, I mean, this is why um, this is why Thief is one of the best performances by any act, in my opinion. Like that, that is one of the most revelatory performances I've ever seen from anyone. It, it is, it is such a personal thing for him. And I'm not going to go ahead and say that this is anywhere close to what he does in Thief. Um, but I do think that uh, it's playing to his strengths and I do like him I mean, a lot in it. He also because made... he just seems pretty confused by a lot of stuff in this. Yeah. So wait, I want to talk about that. Like, first off, Thief is amazing because he plays a essentially like a safe cracker slash burglar who wishes he could unionize. And yeah. I think no, that's he, beautiful. M- Michael Mann has <laughs> literally said that like, cause the, the, you know, before that movie starts, he spent a lot of time in prison and Michael Mann has said that like one of the key, uh, one of the key kind of breakthroughs for his character that really helped him write him was he's like, Oh yeah, he definitely read like Das Kapital while he was in prison. Like he read Marx while he was in prison. And like, that's his character now. Um, yeah. because, and, and like you see James Conduit and it's like, there's no one who could better sell this exact character of, of, of a Marxist, like hard bitten safe cracker. It's the coolest shit. Yeah. I've Thief ever seen. Is, for anyone who hasn't seen Thief, just imagine if like everybody that wasn't George Clooney and Ocean's Eleven decided to unionize. <laughs> Steven, uh, have you seen Thief or no? You've you've, uh, you've sold it to me. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, you you both have assignments. Brian, you watch Moonstruck. Steven, you get uh, we'll watch you, Thief. You, you, you get on Thief. Yeah. But yeah. like great what, double feature. Oh probably. God, uh, but one thing I wanted to say about like I've seen a lot of like critical writing about this movie that like actually kind of shits on James Conn's performance, and I I got pissed at that because I think he plays a very convincing like. His character is essentially like a star athlete who has never had to think very hard about much of anything. Yes. And yes. like him gradually realizing that the world actually sucks and becoming radicalized on his own. And like, I think he plays that role really well. Yeah, I, do too. Like, I, I really liked it. I love the whole like as someone who I have a lot of feelings about, you know, professional athletes as workers and the whole the the perception that they're you know because they are paid so well that they have control over their means of production and they absolutely do not at all yeah i liked this because it's like yeah he's he's fabulously wealthy and famous and beloved uh, but he has an emptiness in his soul because of the way that the system is using him and like his realization, not only that his radicalization is really fascinating to watch take place and the the realization that like, oh, he can like he has power in this agreement as well. Like they gave him power and he can he can now use that for himself to to thwart them i guess by you know continuing to play the only thing that he really finds joy out of the blood sport yes yes i think like i think it ultimately kind of gives off a message that i don't know if jewison ever intended it to which is that like the immense capacity for professional athletes in our society to potentially affect social change yeah it rules 
it does at the end. I'm like, it, it would be really cool if more athletes actually just took like, like I think about like when, um, <sighs> I mean, there've been so many instances, but like, I remember during the NBA situation. Yeah. I, like they, they essentially went on like a wildcat strike during they the They almost fucking did the whole thing. And then, a, then fucking Barack Obama and right. LeBron James were like, actually, guys, yeah. we should really work within the system and obey the rules. But I'm like, they, they almost so frustrating. But like, it was so close. Like we saw the, like the Milwaukee Bucks almost had like a James Conn rollerball moment of yeah. like, oh, we can just do what we want because the show doesn't go on without us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're the product. Like, <laughs> you're the product in a billion dollar industry. And it's like, so like, Jewison set out to say like, you know, it's gross that we are obsessed with essentially blood sport, albeit in reality far tamer than rollerball, but like ultimately kind of inadvertently arrives at but also, this should be harnessed for social change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the the the, I I do think that the 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 aspect of this movie that is like, you know, rollerball is a commentary on on how much we value our version of blood sport, which is like football. Like that to me falls so flat. Like I don't really understand what his goal was with. Well, like, for drawing... him, it was hockey. He's oh, a Canadian. It? He right. tells he tells a story early on in his uh, commentary, which I'm I'm sorry I keep referencing, but like he he was at like I think it was like an Edmonton Oilers game or something. Like some guy, there was a fight, and like you know there was a ton of blood on the ice, and he just was like, I heard like I saw the crowd just screaming for the blood on the ice, and it was like they were being fed, is how he says it. Huh. And I okay. guess I can I get it. Like, I, get I get it, it but like. At the same time, I think he, it's almost like he worries too much, I guess. I, like, history would kind of show maybe he worried too much. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, maybe he extrapolated too much from that. I don't know. Also, that's, well, it's interesting because he's talked about how it's about the violence of the sport itself, and that technically wasn't the sport itself, though I guess it is the culture around the sport. It, yeah, no, that's the other thing. Like, the sport, they cha- they literally changed the rules as the movie progressed, in order to make it more deadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so wait, I, just to lay it out for people. So, like, th- we get three games of rollerball through this movie. Uh, essentially, the running theme of, like, the plot of this movie is that Jonathan E is the most famous rollerballer, and he's getting too famous. And so the, the corporation board decides that he needs to retire yeah. because he just keeps going. He's the best player in the world. Has been for years, and they're like opposing he's... fans cheer for him. Yeah, and yeah. we can't have that. This is this is a sport meant to show the futility of individualism, and so they and here, and here's one guy stomping like all the competition. And so I forget what the rule change in the second game is. The rule they change in it... the second game is that there are no pe- so so the way the way that they progress it. First game played normally. Second yeah. game no penalties. Third game, no penalties and no time limit. So the third game is literally just like last man standing. Yeah, no substitutions, no penalties, no time limit. Yeah. And like so, literally, like everybody has to be horribly maimed or dead. Yes. the The second one is no penalties, which is horribly maim or kill people. But the the game can still end before everyone is horribly maimed or killed. Um, and I like still horribly maimed and killed though. I do love the absurdity of of. Uh, making a, a a sport that works on a clock have no clock 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, just, so just die. Straight up fucking die, I guess. Like, it'd be, like it's like imagining like an, uh, like an NFL game where it's like there's there's an unlimited quarters. Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, just throw until you You have drop. to play until no one can move. Yeah, yeah. Um, or, or is literally dead. Yeah. Um, so, um, it, it, so it opens with this rollerball sequence that lasts about 15 minutes, um, which <laughs> is pretty intense. Um, yes. 15 amazing minutes. Um, and then, so yeah, again, the movie's kind of split up into thirds. Actually, I think that the second rollerball sequence takes place like almost exactly an hour after the first one. It's like, it's a very precisely plotted film. Um, uh, but yeah, after the first one, um, uh, Khan, who's, I should refer to him by his character, Jonathan E. Great name. Uh, never called John or Johnny. I was always Jonathan. Um, he is called into the- Johnny. Uh, executive of energy's office because again the energy corporation is the one that is in charge yeah. of i forget if it's houston or america it would just be it, houston because new houston. york is a different one yeah new america no longer exists right it's just cities and yeah um strange but he's called into his office basically yeah he's like you gotta stop he doesn't tell him why and so most of the rest of the movie is Jonathan being very hesitant to stop uh, because he's not sure what's going on and rollerballs his entire life. Um, and he doesn't know what else he could possibly do. He threw himself into rollerball in part. It, it is, it is his entire life in part because we learn that some corporate uh, CEO just like wanted his wife and yes. took her. Yes. I and think, then, I think and compensated him with another wife. Yes. Like that detail was insane. Yeah. It's a very bizarre. So th- th- it's just kind of tossed off. And I think that's actually in this scene when he first meets with him, because Jonathan's like, you know, I want to see my wife. I want to talk to her about this. And he's like, his you wife know, is Ella, I think. Ella. Yeah. And, he, yeah. and the executive is like, you know, you can't see your wife. Like another executive took her years ago and something like that. It was nothing yes. personal. So yeah, in this world, women are just exchanged like tokens. And the movie, I, I will say, I think one of the faults of the movie is that it does kind of treat women as disposable objects by and large. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. The, n- none of them are really fully fledged characters. He has two women... Because he, ha- he has, like, a designated girlfriend, uh, a la, like, Tom Cruise and Scientology. Um, what is it? Mackie, I think? And then she gets replaced early on with Daphne, who is this tall, blonde British woman. Yeah. She's pretty. I like her. She is. They're both pretty. <laughs> uh, uh, only victim to, uh, to, to the rollerball world's ideas. <laughs> No. But, like, she's also portrayed as, like, a spy for the corporations, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think the kind of just de facto state of things is that the women are just kind of by default on the side of the corporation because the corporation literally owns them. Um, yeah, that's fair. And, and, and so, you know, I'm not defending or not defending, and I'm just saying, like, I think the way the world works is that any woman who he's with is just kind of by default going to be on the side of the corporation because that's who employs them. That's who they work for. Um, well, yeah, that's, I, that's and I mean, like, them, I guess I don't know if they get paid it, or not. Especially in 1975, like someone envisioning a dystopian future is like, if corporations were in the world, they would simply commodify women. That does track. Yeah, no, yeah. makes sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, though, like several years ago, I forget how long ago it was, but at some point in the past, uh, some other executive, I don't think we ever find out which one doesn't really matter, takes an interest in Jonathan's wife and just takes her. Um, and so another running thread throughout this is figuring out a, where his wife is 
and B, why they want him to quit rollerball so badly. And I don't think he actually really gets a straight answer um, about why they want him to quit rollerball. And they, they, at no point do they, they go don't up, tell him no. They, they, they don't go up to him and say, this is meant to demonstrate the futility of individuality. They say that in a meeting with each other, the executives. They don't go up to him and say that. And so he is just purely operating on instinct. He was just like, this, this is the game I want to play. Um, this is all I know how to do. Um, yeah, they don't seem to grasp that at all, which is kind of odd. Like they don't, they don't seem to get that. Like they force this man into a thing, and it's become his entire life and identity. And yeah. like, yeah, they seem to think that they can just conveniently ask him to give all of that up. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, well, now that I say that out loud, feels very corporate. <laughs> yeah, um, and he doesn't. Um, and they're like shocked that he doesn't. Um, but he says he'll think about it at first, and then he just kind of drags his feet and and just does not give them an answer um i i want to say around this part of the movie uh really cool set design um when he goes to meet with uh, the executive's name i believe is bartholomew when he goes to meet with him he's in like this he's sitting in the middle of a huge circular white room um and there are these like glass ornaments hanging all around him and uh jewison composes the fuck out of it it looks great um again whole movie is really really well directed I, i really like how it looks and they're in a weird building which i believe is the uh bmw headquarters in Germany. oh yeah, yeah yeah and when i first saw it brian i messaged you and i was like this is like a crazy matte painting because this building yeah. looks, looks really strange and there's no way it can be real and then you were like that is just the bmw building but <laughs> but again jewison shoots it in such a way that makes it look futuristic and weird and imposing i love that it. was in another movie i watched recently really yeah From like around this it... or, or a more modern one i think it's in Fun. munich it yeah bmw is in munich um fuck Brian, wasn't it in wasn't it in Suspiria? Um, that's asking far too much of in, my in, memory. In the new Suspiria? No, the old one. I don't believe so. I don't think so. It Maybe was, I'm wrong. I, it showed up in like a Giallo that I watched, and really? I only watched two. What was the other one? Uh, Deep Red. Oh fuck! I mean, that's like my favorite Giallo, but I don't remember it being in that either. It might be though. Like, I'm pretty uh, sure it's in Suspiria. I'm gonna look this up. I've, but I've only also, yeah. This is like. I've I've only Wait, seen besides- Suspiria, and I'm blanking on the sequel to Suspiria, but that one as well. Suspiria had a sequel. What, what, what do you well, mean? Well, like- uh, Suspiria, 1977 filming locations. The number one result: BMW building, Munich, no Bavaria, Germany. Fucking way! I, I wonder. Do you remember what scene it's in? Oh my god, we're getting so off topic. But now I'm like, I where don't. was the BMW building in fucking Suspiria? Also, uh, just as a as a, we are one third through the movie, and we have been recording well, for over an hour. No, no, we we're, really? we're like we've covered most of the movie inadvertently. I would say, yeah, probably. Uh, we uh, but I will say uh, the the movie, the sequel to Suspiria, is um, Inferno, which like right. I always ret- forget that it's like a, considered a sequel. I, I do it, re- well, it like retroactively declares itself a sequel. Right, right. Um, I like Inferno a lot. That's a good movie. That movie slaps. Uh, uh, <laughs> it is the best genre, though. It's it's unparalleled. It's one of the best movies ever made. Um, I am learning not to bring up movies on your movie please podcast. Don't. Please don't. <laughs> it's it's a no, disaster. So like, you could e- you could easily cut most of our episodes in half if we oh. just eliminate all of the <laughs> bullshitting we do about movies that have nothing to do with the one we're talking about. But um, we're here to provide people with a parasocial experience. And yeah. by <laughs> what it's like by to be around God, us. That's what- <laughs> this is for for the listener at home. This is what talking to these two is like yeah. yeah Stephen, you and i have met once in real life and it was with 
Brian and Toe <laughs> as well. And it was just this for probably. I, I have nothing hours. else in my life, and thus must talk about film incessantly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everyone loves this about us. But no, like, like that—that that is basically the whole plot of the movie. Is that the yeah. corporations are trying to get Jonathan to, to retire, and he's like, "No!" And then they keep making Rollerball more deadly to try and kill him, and yep. he perseveres. A C- couple things. Um, first of all, the running thread throughout of um, the—you know—it's not like a central focus of the film, but um, the uh, the dangers of digital. Ar- archives and like preservation oh, yeah yeah um, so he tries to check out some books in the library at one point just to figure out more about i believe just like the history of the sport and also of of like the war that was there, there's there there's this war that's alluded the corporate to corporate wars the corporate wars and where like the corporations all took control of the world um that we don't really find out a lot about he wants to check out a book on them and he's told that you can only access that uh that through a computer um, which is in some other part of the world. I don't remember exactly where it was. It is in uh, Switzerland. Okay. Uh, the, the, the building they use is the League of Nations. Yes. Um, <laughs> and and it looks terrifying. Um, and uh, yeah, and there's one computer in it and it's an AI com- controlled it's, it's made out of like water. Yeah. It's, Which actually is a kind of a cool idea for a no, computer. It's awesome. Um, like every time it does a calculation, it like bubbles a little bit. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, he tries to access this information and... Um, and they bring in a legendary not, British like, actor for this role, for the role of the librarian, Ralph Richardson, who does an incredible right. job. Like his whole thing apparently was just like, he got really into every character he did. Yeah. Like he was kind tell. of method. And, but like, he was just like, he just wanted to be a weird little guy and God bless him. He was. Yeah, no, he, he is, um, he's firing on all cylinders in this. He's like yelling at the computer, uh, telling it like, and he has like one gloved his... hand. <laughs> yes. He has the one gloved Pretty hand. Detail. Perfect. You know, a guy's fucked up if he has one. Gloved hand. <laughs> it's like invariably true. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that was super interesting. Um, ultimately, he is not able to get the information he needs because the AI that controls this uh, this whole library system just refuses to give it to him. Um, and I and- love the the throwaway joke that they do a couple times of like that they just accidentally lost the 13th century. Right. That, like yeah. all of the 13th century. There's like, whoops. He says it like That's 17 so times. He keeps being like, uh, yeah, we usually don't make any mistakes, but this morning we just accidentally lost all the literature we had on the 13th century, which again does feel like him. It's funny, but it's also him gesturing towards the the notion that like, hey, you know, this isn't a perfect archival practice, like, you know. And we- also the the perils of uh, letting all of history be in one spot, of course, essentially, yeah. and uh, yeah, and and in uh, in uh, under the control of of uh, you know. Uh, a uh, system with um with corporate with entities with, uh, yeah yeah corporate entities um so, it's a good thing we do we haven't let one corporation become the world's biggest distributor of written goods yeah that would, uh, that would be scary um rollerball yeah. will happen next year <laughs> um i predict i can't wait for rollerball twitter yeah <laughs> i i just want i want to find out what is considered problematic in the era of rollerball that would require an entirely separate episode. That like, would would Moon Pie be canceled? Oh my god, let's talk about Moon Pie. Um, uh, right, I have please. two Moon Pie notes. Please, okay. <laughs> I have. Would Moon Pie be canceled? Is a great question. By the way, I have a quote. I have. I have two quotes. I have quote. I'm a stat freak. Isn't that perverse? I actually also have that exact I'm quote. Obsessed <laughs> with that quote. It's so good. It's, 
they did not know how hard they were like nailing us to the wall in the future. <laughs> just the, like the, the follow up of isn't that perverse. It, like is that just makes it like it's. I yeah. wish I could go back in time. Be like in fifty years, people are gonna feel so called out by this line. <laughs> <laughs> what does called out mean? <laughs> <laughs> you just um, ruined so many people. Um, no, no, no. So the second quote is the my first of two moon pie notes. You like poetry. Why don't you come upstairs? I've got a poem for you. And then my next note is, I would like to hear one of Moon Pie's poems. <laughs> uh, very attractive guy. Um, John Beck. Uh, yeah. Who Good I, mustache. Great. Great mustache. Great, great mustache. Great mustache. Um, I've seen him in some stuff. Look, they needed to cast a big athletic man to play a big dumb Texan, and they found perfect human being to do I, that i definitely feel like i've seen him in like tv like i think he might have been in like hawaii 5 at some point i might be getting that wrong like i'm I, probably like in that whole hawaii 5 dallas baywatch magnum pi sphere um, john beck is like what if jaws from james bond was a sexy cowboy yeah yeah i'm just, sorry then I'm, I'm, no 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 you you can't see me but i'm just nodding and staring off into space <laughs> Um, he, he's, he's really good in this. Um, also, I don't think we've said who Moon Pie is. Moon Pie is like the second MVP. Um, he was the best friend. Yeah, he's, he's, the, he's best the best friend. friend. Yeah. And he gets put in a coma. Um, yeah. R.I.P. Moon Pie. Rip. Right. Uh, the, the, the act of preventing them from pulling the plug on him, that was very weirdly emotional. Um, I say weirdly be just cause like, it, up till that point, it really didn't feel like that kind of movie that would pull out something that emotional between two bros on a on a sports team. But yeah. it was really I, I found it more moving than I certainly expected. I, I did think that was the most emotionally resonant part of the movie. I think if, if any part of the movie did need to take itself seriously, it was that one. And I think it really worked. And I really love when Khan is just talking to him. Um, and he's saying like, you know, you're lucky, man. You got nothing to worry about. Like you're practically God. Like, you know, you're amazing. I, I look up to you. It's very, very genuine. And I, I, I thought that was great. And that's right before I think he goes to his final game and, and, you know, is basically like, I might die. Um, and I just wanted to know you mean the world to me. Meanwhile, Moon Pie is like total vegetable. He's a vegetable because in the second game, which is played with no penalties, um, they, they play the Japanese team. And of course the whole thing with the Japanese team is that they're all really, really good at martial arts. Oh yeah. So, um, th there's, there's actually this sequence that, um, I, I thought was pretty fun, but, um, it's before the game, this like martial arts instructor actually comes in to like help coach them and is trying to talk to them about all the like secret jujitsu techniques that the Japanese team is going to use. But Moon Pie keeps interrupting him and just, you know, is, is that what he says? Like, I'm a stat freak. Isn't that perverse? Or is that? A no, theme? no, that's the interviewer. He he has a great line about like hitting them to like push something into their ganglia. Right. Which is actually from the short story. Oh, really? The, um, the William Harrison short story? Yeah. Yeah. I also want to just say my favorite tidbit, I think, from all of the commentary is that. So they were filming this in Munich, Germany, and they had to they had to create an entire other team of rollerballers from just Asian stuntmen. 
which <laughs> was so like cool. incredibly difficult and like time and cost intensive. Yeah. But to do the crowd, because they have all these giant crowd shots, he's like, we basically had to find every Asian study abroad student in Germany. Oh my God. To come and sit in this fucking stadium. Yeah. <laughs> it's convincing. Yeah, uh, it works. A, <laughs> like, I just love that they were like, going around to like German colleges and being like, Hey, do you have five minutes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can 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 you like cheer ravenously for like five minutes um, for reasons that you might never understand? Um, yeah, no, uh, it's 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 great. And um, but the the, the reason why uh, Moon Pie is comatose is because a couple of the uh, guys on the Tokyo team like brain him, pin him in place, and one of them just does like a karate chop to the back of his head, and he just like immediately his his brain just shuts down and he's a vegetable forever and he's like uh legally dead <laughs> yeah um which you know <laughs> is is certainly something um and, and yeah and then everything i guess in between that and the the final game is really just james con being sad about his former wife which doesn't who does show up who um, does show up at the behest of the executives who basically sent her there to convince him to not quit to which he says you know the more he, he, basically his thing is like the more people tell me to quit the more i'm gonna like the more convinced i am to not do that um and again that's 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 a sort of you know driven stubbornness that i think really plays to con strengths i think i think that he does a really good job of selling that um there are a couple set pieces i really like um th there's this part around the middle i believe it's it's either right before or right after the second game i believe it's right before uh, it is it is before because it's the part where Moon Pie says to a woman, do you want me the to poem. Yeah. read you some of my poetry or whatever? Um, there's a party, um, a really big party at, I forget whose house. Um, but Somebody. There, I don't but think they ever say. There, there's like a viewing party for a TV special that's going to focus on Jonathan. Um, and the executives originally wanted him to use it as an opportunity to announce his retirement, which he doesn't do. Um, but there is a sequence after that party where a bunch of party goers take a gun whose I don't really know. Um, oh. <laughs> it, it is just a pistol from somewhere in the morning, morning after the party, um, they all stagger out into like these open fields and start shooting it at trees. Um, and it hits with basically the impact of a grenade launcher. Like it's very bizarre. They, they shoot, it's a normal looking pistol. They shoot it at a tree and the whole tree like explodes into flame. Um, and they do this to like, four different trees um and this is intercut with bartholomew telling jonathan that the game serves a purpose that jonathan no longer aligns with so it's just interesting that there are these scenes of senseless destruction intercut with him being like this game serves a purpose um and the purpose seems to be you know something to do with senseless destruction or violence because there's no absolutely no reason why they go out and they just start shooting these trees and the, the 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 gun hitting with the impact of like a rocket launcher is never explained it is totally bizarre but it's like i think it's it's the case that like we still need we're still like violent creatures and we need an outlet yes yes exactly like we need a release yeah and and there's this idea that if you know if if the game goes away or if the game is not played the way it's meant to be played then those urges will bubble to the surface and there will be hell to pay so i thought that was super interesting um and also just the set piece itself with like the burning trees is 
you know, visually compelling. I, I liked how it looked. It a lot. feels like Stanley Kubrick shot it. To yeah. be honest, it do- no, uh, yeah. You actually mentioned to me th- this. I think you like Discord messaged me and you're like, "Have you gotten to the scene with the trees yet?" Because it's like straight <laughs> up like Kubrickian. Like it's. It like- is, but I think it also feeds into the end of the movie, which is that like you know, obviously our our, our intrepid hero, they put him in essentially the the no time limit death match. Uh, spoiler alert, he he perseveres. Yeah, I believe he's the only person who does not die except... Well, no, no, because he... I'm pretty sure other people also don't die, but they are all incapacitated. But, like, the real climactic moment is he gets the last opponent on his back and is, like, essentially primed... He's, like, straddling the man, Mm -hmm. which, hello. Uh, But, like... (laughs) I'm and he raises, he like dramatically raises the rollerball ball, which is like, a, the the rollerball is like steel. Yeah. Like it's, it's a metal ball. And it's it, not a softball rolling around. Yeah. It is metal. It looks so. And he's dangerous. like, you know, can it's, it's essentially like, the, like a scene in Gladiator where he's like, he decides to not kill this opponent. Yeah. And then he just kind of very tired, like, like exhaustedly rolls his way over to the goal and shove like shoves the rollerball in there. And that's, you know, the end of the match. And like, but that's like, he, he kind of defeats the need for violence essentially at the very end. Yes. Because he realizes that there would be, you know, no real benefit to actually killing this guy. Yeah. It's no, it's Norman Jewish, uh, Jewish like thesis of like, ultimately this is pointless. Yeah. Yeah of ultimately getting into a huge brawl uh, over hockey is pointless, <laughs> but, 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 but will continue happening forever. Um, I, I have wanted to go to a, to a hockey game forever, but I have actually never been to one before. It seems They're like real it, fun. It seems like it would be a total delight. Um, it seems uh, like it would be kind of like this actually. Um, yeah, kind of. And, and all, and all the ways that, that matter. <laughs> Unless you're at a Philadelphia Flyers game, in which case there is no fun. No, fun does, fun does not exist in the Wells Fargo Center when there's <laughs> ice on the ice on the field. Field? Floor? On the I'm field. Tired. It's the field. Um, well, if you're tired, uh, I do have one question for you, Stephen, which is yes. what, which current baseball player would be the Jonathan E of the MLB? Mike Trout? I guess, right? Like, he, he has, like, the same vibe. He has exactly the same vibe. He's a dumb keep your head down (laughs) player who is also like uh, otherworldly good. And I feel like if some like dystopian overlord went to Mike Trout and said, Hey buddy, you can't play baseball anymore. um, That would not fly with, with, with Mr. Mr. Pine Barons. See, (laughs) I don't, I don't know if that would work exactly because all they would have to do is be like, I will make you a weatherman. (laughs) <laughs> and and he would he would sign up. He would bail so fast. What what position would he play? Is my question. I don't. I well, I, we don't know the positions of rollerball. There There's... there are. I mean, from what I can tell, there are. Well, the, okay. The the easiest distinction is the guys on the skates and the guys on the bikes. True. Um, but and I, then think... I think there are guys who can score, and there are guys who are only there to essentially be fodder. Who like hit. Yeah. the guys who can score yeah yeah and, uh, and and there are like two guys on bikes i think at any given time and everyone else is on skates. unless you explode a bike yeah yeah which happens many times the the, the final sequence of this movie um is crazy um uh, and and i do like how each of the 
different rollerball sequences is filmed in a slightly different way. The first one is filmed like one would film a sports movie, and the last one is filmed like one would film a fight scene. Um, and one of the is. fun, the, one of the fun things about the last one is that they filmed the rollerball matches in chronological order. And so the third one actually moves a lot faster because everybody had gotten better at roller skating. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, they're playing faster because they're actually getting better at the game. That's really... I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's cool that this is a game that you can get better at. Like, yeah. I, I, I just love how it has rules. <laughs> and, and, like, it it's, actually it's, makes sense, like, physically. Like, it can be played someone someone who understood the mechanics of a sport created this yeah like yes. this was not just someone like oh sports are violent let's make a super violent sport yeah. to demonstrate and it's just like yeah but but like there's there's a very sound internal logic to it that like as I mentioned at the top of the episode, when I kept like intellectually trying to work out like what a real rollerball league would, how it would function, um, I kept going, oh, yeah, that that tracks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I like that he doesn't actually lean too heavily into the blood the, sport aspect. Uh, the 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 blood sport element only really comes to the fore once they start changing the rules. And exactly. Like, if you change before the rules that, in any game, then it could devolve into a blood sport. But before that, it's actually it's not. It's still a really intense contact sport. Yes, but it's playable. Um, and it makes before sense. that, the biggest gripe I had with the the internal logic of this fictional sport was presumably this is the sport that everyone's obsessed with yeah like that's the point of the movie yes. i get that the movie is trying to make it very clear that jonathan e is very popular and and the guy that's that's also the point of the movie there's no fucking way that if he if if i were an opposing fan watching him play and he just fucking like sent one of my players to the hospital, I would not be cheering that man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't care how fucking good he is. That's not how, that's not how fandom works. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. And, that and, was the only thing that I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. And I think you do get some moments when, um, when people boo him. Um, but yeah, I think like by the end of every game, I mean, well, by the end of the last game, the way the movie ends, I guess we could just talk about that is, he incapacitates everyone else. He does not kill the last guy, uh, but then he just goes up to the scoring hole. I don't the goal. I guess it's it, like the, the way you score in this game is you put the ball in like a you just plunk it into this hole in the wall. It's like a magnetized hole. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He goes up, puts it in that, and then just silently takes a victory lap. And then people start like the whole crowd starts chanting his name. They get louder and louder, um, and eventually they're just like giving him a standing O, going crazy. Um, the executives are kind of freaking out behind the scenes. Actually, no, the, the executive of energy freaks out and leaves. There are other executives, people who are with the executives who also start cheering. So th there's mm -hmm. this idea that like suddenly the ID, the ideology has been universally, uh, changed in some way or flipped on its head. Um, but what I, I loved is that <laughs> he, he skates toward the camera and because this is 1975, it ends on a freeze frame. 
Um, oh, God, which, yes. Which I just went crazy for. I have like an all caps <laughs> in my notes. 70s freeze frame ending, baby. Oh, and also um, Takata and Fugue in D minor is, is reprised. Um, Naturally. Yes, which, which I thought was so fucking cool. Um, so Speaking about the executives real quick, I yeah. would like to, to give them a shout out for having uh, the, a 1975 Zoom meeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was legit. Do. Yeah, all, all meeting on TVs. I they have like, a Zoom meeting to vote to kill, essentially kill Jonathan E. I, mm-hmm. I, I could not name any examples off the top of my head, but I just know I have seen that in other movies, of the, like other sci-fi movies around this era, like a bunch of guys, like a bunch of talking heads on screens, like villainous guys specifically for, for some reason. It's villainous guys sitting in a circle on screens and just talking to each other. Um, I... I don't know what was in the air, but this seemed to be, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Speaking of Kubrick, 2001 kind of has this. 2001 has a couple moments where people video conference with each other. Um, that was 1969. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Oh, um, but um, yeah. Swallowing I, is difficult. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. But um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I knew that would get him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man sorry we're being very professional everyone uh, uh I, mean, I am um choking on water in the middle of what i'm saying um but no yeah i i, I just th- th- this just feels like such a classic trope of like you know the villains sitting around as talking heads on tvs talking about evil shit with each other i love it um and it is more or less a 1975 zoom meeting so uh, one thing that i have to get off my chest here is that i have not been able to stop thinking about how would how would a rollerball pride night work? <laughs> you have the floor, Stephen. <laughs> oh, I just switched to the video tab. This man is fully just buckled over. <laughs> um, you know, you know, would the ball be rainbow? I thought that at first, but I don't think so. I think, I think the the goal would be rainbow. <laughs> the, the, they the, put the rainbows little... on it, and that's literally all they would do. Yeah, that works. That makes I, sense. I'm just, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about like, like promotion or like the the kind of nights that real sports seem to be like, like rollerball breast cancer awareness night. Mm-hmm. They would, they would have like, uh, pink motorcycles for that. Yeah, the ball would be pink for that. Yeah. I just love like we're gonna overcome breast cancer, and they're just like bludgeoning each other to death with a steel ball. (laughs) This is why we need to make rollerball real. We need to answer these (laughs) questions once and for all. You know, I've officially yeah. Hearing you guys talk about what this would be like in real life, I've actually changed my stance completely. I think it should just. I think we should actually just do it. Oh, I think (laughs) I think we need to before Norman Jewison passes on, just so he can know the degree to which he fucked up. Well, again, people people tried to start rollerball leagues. Yeah, the time. I'm like, but like, buddy, you should not have given Americans yeah. this idea. There, there's this one thing that is mentioned on the Wikipedia page. I mentioned it to you guys briefly. There is supposedly an excerpt from Wide World of Sports. I, I haven't talked about this on this episode yet, have I? I was talking to you guys about it earlier, but I don't think we've talked yes. about it during the episode. Um, there was apparently when the movie came out um, uh, a segment on Wide World of Sports where Howard Cassell interviewed Norman Jewison and James Kahn about rollerball and like asked them about like how it works and like to explain the rules and stuff and talked about the movie with them. I cannot find this clip anywhere. I want to watch this so badly. 
Um, I have not been able to track it down. Um, I did track down a bit of trivia where apparently either in that interview or in another one, when asked what the movie was about, James Caan said it's about 90 minutes, which I think is great. But um, I can't find the actual clip anywhere. Um, So my quest for that is ongoing. And if I find it in between now and when the episode is posted, maybe we can edit something in. But um, yeah, but I'll I'll put it I'll put it as like the intro dialogue or whatever. Um, but I, I just I just think it's really cute that Norman Jewison thought that this film would cause Americans to have like a moment of introspection no. and no, self-reflection. I yeah, do, I like, love violence, like make it real. We're just like, yeah, like, audiences are just like, yeah, let's yeah. fucking go. Yeah. Like, he, probably, yeah. he probably wanted people to watch the first rollerball sequence and immediately think something was wrong. Um, no. And I'm like, no, nah, this looks fine. Um, the other ones are kind of fucked up because this, they, they this start... could make some money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As an American, that's my first thought about everything. Uh, well, it better be. Yeah. Um. Anyway, cool stuff. Um. <laughs> what 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 are all of our final overall thoughts on this motion picture? Uh, let's see. Yeah, do you have any notes? Mm, we covered all my notes. Okay um ultimately i really liked it um for i i like i like dystopian sci-fis that have like a message i also like sports good action good acting like yeah it was a great time i'm not like frothing at the mouth about this movie but uh We'll wait until you see the 2002 one. <laughs> I mm, I will be waiting quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, it's worth it just to see Chris Klein pretend that he's Keanu Reeves. Oh God, that's <laughs> he's trying so fucking hard. It's not worth it, actually. Like, oh, sweetheart, <laughs> it's so bad. It. It's so bad. Um, uh, if you want to see Rebecca Ramones, Romaine, I'm sorry, Rebecca Romaine's uh, side boob, then. By all means, uh, maybe I can just again. I can just go watch the X Men movies. That's true. Also, uh, this is it is the movie that got John McTiernan uh, essentially sent to federal prison. Yeah, <laughs> which, uh, which is a whole other thing. It's a whole thing. We'll probably do like a bonus minisode on that movie just because uh, it's have fun. I like that the it's a movie that has Jean Renault in it, and he establishes that he is. Uh, from Kazakhstan by simply speaking in a slightly different accent. And the first thing his character does is shout vodka. (laughs) And that's to let you know, uh, that that's the level of subtlety that movie has. And you know what? God bless it. Yeah. It's not, it it, it also, it, it straight up just like strips out all of the messaging of the original. They like, shot seven minutes of that film are in night vision, and I cannot emphasize that enough. It, <laughs> neither can the movie. <laughs> uh, it's not good. If that sounds cool, it's not. Yeah, it's really not. It's so bad. Uh, but yeah, uh, Stephen, where where uh, where can uh, all two of our listeners find you on the internet? Um, you can find me at Tango Golf Kilo anywhere I have an account um mostly twitter and you can find my my baseball podcast if you like sports uh which i don't think you do because you're listening to this podcast wow wow <laughs> that's so true 
Wow. So true, bestie. Uh, Shot fired. My my podcast batting around is at batten batten around because batting around was taken. So this is way better. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, those fuckers. Okay. I mean, there was when we were trying to decide what to name our podcast, we were like, we're going through a bunch of options and we like Googled them and everything was taken. And we were like, but we really like batting around, though. And no, but those people, it was already a podcast and they hadn't they had like 10 episodes from two years ago or two years prior to us doing this. Then it had been dormant. So we're like, fuck it. Snooze, you lose. We It's us now. So we have completely subsumed them, and uh, yeah, Fuck those guys. Find us at Batten Around on Twitter and Instagram yeah. and SoundCloud. SoundCloud's probably the most important one. I will say that that's where all your rap is. Speaking <laughs> speaking as someone who does not follow sports closely, it is incredibly accessible and fun to listen to. You guys are great. Yeah, we've had yeah. a lot of people like it's it's um it's just you guys like hanging out. It's and a talking. gay man and two trans women who are poisoned by the internet. Yeah, it rocks. Yeah. Uh, just talking and occasionally baseball comes up. Yeah. Like if you asked me to summarize one of the last episodes I listened to, I would say foot fetishes and Columbo. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Should say. It was. You, and I know you listened to that episode because Columbo was in the episode art. Well, obviously. <laughs> You're nothing if not predictable. If you if you mention Peter Falk, I within like a ten mile radius, I will show up. Okay, uh, I know we're trying to wrap up, but I, yes, would you guys mind if I lobbed a very quick bomb into this and just asked a quick question that I that I wanted to ask a long time ago, but <sighs> a chance to. This is I'm very scared. All no, right, no, it's something we already talked about briefly before we started recording, but hasn't come up yet. Um, it's March sixteenth. Uh, what what'd you guys think of the Oscars? Oh, um, boring boring i there was no violence so there was I, no rollerball violence no no there was uh i very much wish will smith had slapped jimmy kimmel and uh jimmy kimmel should be put in a gulag yeah yes I, that is yeah uh my not, take, not a very funny guy i'll think's considered jimmy terrible kimmel. i'm not a huge fan of him there were a couple I, of jokes that i smiled at but then i remembered oh you didn't write these so i can't even give you credit i think him harassing malala was maybe the yeah. most uncomfortable i've ever been that watching an award show awful including last year <laughs> no no i would watch will smith slap chris rock a hundred times yeah. again before that yeah that that, that was its own form of violence the Malala thing that was it was fucked oh my um, my rapid fire takes are loved everything everywhere don't love sweeps usually so wish that other movies would have won a few other a few of the war the awards they won fair's fair uh sad for banshees yeah which um every time i think about it becomes like every time I reflect on it, it I it, like it grows in standing for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jimmy Lee Curtis was probably the fourth or fifth most deserving person of oh, that man. Oscar I mean, that she won. She's a great actress. That that being said, performance was I am a Jamie Lee Curtis stand. Yeah, she's great. So I and the Oscars aren't real anyway because like fuck the academy i don't the whole reason that like she should have gotten at least nominated 
well before this. She's been, yeah. in the, she's been in the industry for decades, but she hasn't because the Oscars doesn't fucking give a shit about horror or genre film. Yes. Correct. And like my girl got hers. Did she deserve it? No. But did she cumulatively deserve it? Yes. Uh, Would we the call others, everything? Oh, sorry. I, didn't mean I think that I think that uh, Angela Bassett was most deserving for her performance, but I'm kind of glad that the Marvel cinematic, cinematic <laughs> universe didn't get an Oscar. Yeah. So like, yeah, don't like, encourage them. Well, now I, the, the least charitable thing I could say is yes, it did because that's what everything ever is to me. But I'm not going to say that. I'm going to uh, say that. I'm going to say oh, that. Come on. Evil version of myself. Just because it's popular. No, 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 well, no, no. I'm going to throw it to Just because it has scores of the most annoying fans imaginable. <laughs> so, what I will say, I am so happy for Michelle Yeoh and Kei Kwan. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. that was that was my next thing. Also, I want to be clear. I I, I don't I don't hate that movie. I I'm not a huge fan, but it's like very whatever to me. I'm not. I don't have a strong opinion on it. I love them both. I love them both in general, and I think that they are both great in it. And I think if anything about the movie is very praiseworthy, they. I got emotional at all of the uh, big acting awards, except for except for Brendan Fraser. I have a lot of complicated feelings about that role in that movie yeah um, for sure. i also I am really disappointed that colin farrell did not win that yeah he was i was he was my ride or die for that oh, award I love colin. but ki hui kwan and michelle yo i was just my heart was so full for oh, them I, I was i i i don't think i had ever cried at an oscar acceptance speech before i and also in all fairness i haven't actually watched the two years prior um i don't really care too much about the oscars but this year i went to a party and it was super fun and i watched them and i cried so much at both of those acceptance speeches they were really really sweet and I'm just very, very happy for both of them because they are incredibly talented. The cast of that movie is great. Like fucking uh, is. James Hong is like 93. Gosh, and he's, he's like, so doing, good. And he's doing action sequences. Like, come on, this guy's a fucking legend. It's so cool. Yeah, um, where's his honorary Oscar? Just uh, feel like here, you're really old. Have one. Did you see, uh, it was a few months things. ago, but he got hit. He got a star on the Walk of Fame I and Jamie Lee Curtis inducted him. And she was like, the amount of enthusiasm she has for her castmates and they all have for each other is just like so exciting. That's very I cute. I love it. I, I just want to say, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I have nothing of value to add, please. Oh, I was just going to, I was, uh, this prompt ended up being the Steve talks about. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis thing. Um, She's great. That's most prompts. The the She's fucking wonderful. the fucking discourse around her. It's very cringe and corny that she decided to give her Oscar they them pronouns. Wait, she but like what? in a harmless, fun way. Did she really do that? Is that she did? Her her daughter is trans. Yeah, and is receiving a lot of online hate. Oh, fuck for that. being a famous person's trans child. That's so fucking evil. And like, I, my my opinion on the Jamie Lee Curtis being a sweet, slightly cringy ally mom is I, I don't I don't care. Yeah, I don't care that it I don't care that it's corny because. It's better than the fucking hate campaigns oh, that are being ratcheted up everywhere. And yeah, yeah, I, I, I love, I love having her in our in in 
in their corner. Yeah, I would. I would also say I would rather throw myself in the Schuylkill River than have Jamie Lee Curtis be disappointed or mad at me. <laughs> uh, just something to think about. Uh, also, I lost a lot of money because I put uh, big bucks on both uh, Jenny the Donkey and Colin Farrell's eyebrows to win Oscars, and <laughs> neither they, happened. They deserved it. A lot they of donkey did. snubs this year and goose eggs for EO. Nothing. Great movie. I loved EO. Oh, if we're talking about snubs, I have a fucking bone to pick with the Oscars about Nope. That's nope was right. really good. Nope was a really good movie. I'm shocked. Steve, you, Steve you at the very least should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, Get Out was kind of a flashpoint where they like nominated that because like it was the thing everyone was talking about. That it I, was popular like, and it was a way for them to go, ooh, look, we're undoing racism. Yeah. <laughs> um... And now that they've done that, now that they've now now, now, now that they've they done that, they're like, oh, we never need to pay attention to Jordan Peele again. And I'm well, like, I want to burn you to the fucking ground. Well, Stephen, you, you you misremember they did already end racism by giving the Oscar Green Book. Green Book so yeah. I don't want to hear any shit from you about. Can Cole, we please end this podcast, <laughs> Cole? I, Cole, I just want to say it really warms my heart that we both wanted to make the exact same terrible joke. Yeah, I, I saw you like perched and ready for it. Um, Just yeah. had my green book reference in the chamber. Let's let's take Steven's advice. Um, this has been a blast. Uh, thank uh, you so yeah, much wait, for coming cool, on. Real quick, give your Twitter. Come on. Oh, let's my, be professional. Okay, now, I can't guarantee that um, if you search it, I will be uh, either like locked or maybe deactivated. Um, I've been on and off lately to focus on other stuff, but uh, should I be around, you can follow me at cron.com, K-R-O-N-D-O-T-C-O-M. And I am at stuck in the IV, and that's IV, the letters, not the plant. Uh, And this podcast can be found at at the end of of the pod. Uh, And yeah. Great. Please stop listening to us. Right at now. least right now. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, thank Thanks you, Stephen, for having me on, guys. I'm very sorry that we did this to you. <laughs> well, no, next time I'm gonna come on with a movie that I'm that I'm. No, ne- next time, about. next time you get to pick. Oh, it's gonna be. I'm gonna be it'll real be, annoying about it, folks. It'll be Cloud Atlas, but don't worry about oh it. Oh my God! Wait, yes, no, wait, holy shit! Wait, wait Cloud no, Atlas really? does not. Fit well, it does fit the criteria, doesn't it? Yeah, it yeah. does. Wait, I oh have my dude, a lot. I, that's gonna be like a three-hour pod. Oh, if, if dude, oh, <laughs> kid, Steven, if you pick, wait, let, let's let's scrap this fucking episode, Steven. If you want to do Cloud Atlas, I'll, I'll do that right now. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. Bye. Why did I agree to do this? I, d- I don't know. That's a good stinger for the end. Is that oh, yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> um, That's what I was going for. Or- organic exhaustion.